Hi guys, it's Jess. Welcome back to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast, where I discuss all things style, wellness, pop culture, and whatever else I feel like talking about from week to week. It is a very snowy, cold, windy, overcast day in New York, and I'm absolutely loving it. So if you can hear my space heater at my feet or the wind blowing outside my window, sincere apologies, girl. Um, Life is happening. I'm absolutely loving it, and I really love weather days. Obviously, we all love when it's like sunny and warm, but not too hot, not a cloud in the sky. And you feel like, oh, look at God doing his thing with this day. But I also really enjoy days when we can see weather. I love snow and I love rain, especially when I don't have to be in it. It also makes me really sad for the people who do. But I just enjoy I don't know, seeing nature do nature. So if you can hear those things, it's just life happening. Um, Sincere apologies. I hope you can still bear with me. As per usual, I'm going to kick off this episode with a fashion tip. This one is a little bit personal. Um, When you hear this episode, it will be February 2nd. So we're still going to count it as like the beginning of a new month. Um, This is just a gentle reminder to buy some new underwear. Let me tell you something. One of the most demoralizing things that can happen to you as a human person is your gut rolling over your underwear. And as someone who continues on a uh, journey of self-acceptance but also self-improvement when it comes to how I feel about my body, that is one of the worst feelings in the world. And it's going to be really hard for you to accept your body as it is if your body is constantly uncomfortable in its bare minimum covering, which is your draws. Like you're not doing yourself or your genitalia any favors by stuffing it in things that don't fit. And if you don't want to, don't nobody got to see your draws. It don't matter how big they are. It don't matter what size. Get a size that works so that you can at least be comfortable in your draws. Um, If you are like me and actually respecting social distancing because you are still actually aware that we are in a pandemic and don't know when relief is coming or when, you know, life will feel normal again and you are a person who gets to work from home or you're just a person who isn't socializing outside of your home, um... You spend a lot of time in your draws. So, <laughs> at least I do. So, I have to, you're supposed to switch out and get new underwear quite often anyway, just like I think it's a health thing. But I just want to encourage you if you're feeling a way about your body, and also if, you know, weight loss is a thing that you are working towards, number one, your underwear will be like a good non scale related victory that, like, oh, these fit now these fit differently now it can be like a different way to gauge where you are that doesn't involve the scale because me and the scale have a real real beef with each other to be quite honest so I just want to encourage y'all go up a size or two if you need to in your draws don't nobody have to know but you I won't even know please don't tell me if you did because that's kind of personal and we don't need to know each other in that manner but if you need to go up a size or two in your drawers, nobody will know. So that's my fashion tip for this week. Oh, and also, yeah, I bought some really, really pretty like loungewear that I'm absolutely loving. Y'all know I love a good cozy fabric. And 
if you are a person like my mom <laughs> who just enjoys silky, satiny, um, you know, pretty, lingerie, which is what I call lingerie because that's what it looks like. Treat yourself if you can. Like, I think I told y'all in the last episode, I bought this really pretty, um, like, silky, satiny nightgown that was on sale for, like, 60% off. And it just, I just be walking around my apartment feeling like all kinds of bad bitches. So, again, buy things that fit if you have the option to spend, if you have the disposable income. Buy you some stuff that fits at minimum to cover your ass. All right, so this episode is going to be a solo one. I did a little um, experiment the other day on my Instagram. I looked up and I saw that I had a bunch of followers, right? A bunch of new followers. That is not a flex. Um, That is a form of internal self-control. I try really hard not to look at my follower count because as a creative, one of the worst things that you can do is try to create for the audience you don't have yet. And you can completely ignore the audience you do have. So I try really hard not to look at my followers because I want to create for the people who are there. One of the few things that I remember from earning my, my first marketing degree is it's easier and more cost efficient to retain existing customers than it is to get new ones. And I feel that same way as far as my time. It's easier for me to create for the people who are here than it is for me to be running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get new people over here. So that's why I don't look at my followers. But anyway, I looked up and I was like, oh, I don't know where these people came from. But hello, welcome. So I did a little um, Instagram story where it was like, you know, ask me a question. And I got so many um positive responses to the questions about like what I've learned in what I learned in 2020, um, the best things that I've learned in my 30s. And several people really want me to write a book. And that is something that I really want to do. But to be quite honest with you guys, for one thing, again, I felt like, how am I going to like sell a book when I don't have a, a, a big audience? I've moved past that part. But now I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. But anyway, I have been brainstorming what I would want a book written by me to look like and to include. And so in those notes, I kind of created like a little Not Carrie Bradshaw syllabus. These are just some of the wellness tools in my my wellness kit, my how I cope with life kit that I want to share with you guys because I like I said, I got so much um, positive feedback from sharing it on my Instagram story. And if I can help people to live a little bit easier, live with a little bit more peace, I'm absolutely going to do that because it's something that it has taken me a really long time to learn how to do. And I haven't mastered it. And I don't think anyone can master it because as much as you can build yourself up internally, Life will still always happen. Life will still come and kick you in the balls from time to time. And then you'll recover and, you know, you'll be walking easy again. And then life will come kick you in the balls again. It's just it ebbs and flows. There are highs and lows, you know, and I think that with some of the tools that I've acquired from reading, from listening to different podcasts, from journaling, from being in therapy for about three years, I have gotten to a place where at least the recovery part is a little bit shorter and I don't feel so defeated when life just happens to me. So stay tuned for the Not Carrie Bradshaw wellness syllabus. 
I'm really excited to share these things with you guys. I hope that they help in some way. That's a huge part of what my platform is for and about is helping people to just feel and be better. So stay tuned. guys i am back with the second main part of this episode i just want to preface these little gems or whatever you want to call them in this wellness syllabus of mine by saying that i am not trying to be preachy i'm in no way saying that i have any or everything figured out i don't think anybody has everything figured out I think being a human being is just really hard sometimes. And these are things that knowledge that I acquired over the course of my own wellness journey and that I'm still learning and still refining that I kind of, in a way, I'm like, oh, I wish I had known this sooner. But in some ways, these are things that I knew a long time ago. I just wasn't prepared to fully interpret or apply them to my life. So by no means is this meant to judge or again be preachy at you i try to create things that i wish i'd had i try to create for the kind of person that i am and that i was and that i hope to be and i hope it resonates with people who are ready to hear these things and if not it's okay no tea no shade um this is just shit that i wish I had known and when I did learn them when it did hit me when I was like fertile ground to receive these different things it was kind of mind-blowing for me so I just want to share some of these things with you guys because like I said um, sometimes I post some of these things on my Instagram and people are like oh my god like this is so helpful or I never considered this so that's where this episode is coming from I'm nobody's mental health professional I'm just, you know, like I said, out here trying to be the whole well bad bitch that Beyonce told me that I could be. So, and my mama. So, okay, here we go. So, first things first, one of the first things that really helped me to kind of activate my awareness as a human person was reading The Four Agreements. And... I don't care if that sounds basic, honestly. It was really helpful for me. I really love that book. I revisit the different principles all the time and each time a different one jumps out at me and I really kind of am experiencing a need to apply that agreement more in my life. So the four agreements are, and this is a book by Don Miguel Ruiz. I highly recommend it. I will put a link uh, to where you can purchase it on um, via my Amazon if you'd like to again I just highly recommend it it was really helpful for me but the four agreements are be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions and always do your best now right now the one that applies the most or that I'm applying the most is to not take anything personally the main or one of the main tenets of the four agreements is the fact that everyone is kind of navigating the world in their own world and it can be really easy to internalize the pain that other people cause you but growing up and growing in maturity and in awareness you start to understand how little awareness other people have and that a lot of people are living in their 
own trauma and don't really know it. There are a lot of people who their their home frequency, their their normal state of being or their constant state of being is chaos or pain or not living with ease and they can project that onto you and if you don't know any better you can take that in and it can really affect you personally so number one (laughs) on this syllabus is don't take things personally and i know that's really paradoxical it's hard to to take that in or to, to to grasp the concept because it's like no this person personally hurt me like I feel this pain in my body and I know it came from this person but that person is actually just projecting onto you their own pain and sometimes you really can't even take in positive projections from other people because that's not about you either most things really are not about you when you're dealing with people whose awareness just has not been activated and it's no tea no shade to them but take every Thing that people give you with a grain of salt and ultimately that means you have to know yourself you have to know who you are apart from other people's projections you have to know what you value what's important to you what you want out of life and what's been really helpful for me in that regard um you know I arrived at this place with my therapist where I felt like I was having an existential crisis because I was like well who am I if I, you know, I've been acting for so long based on other people's projections and trying to change people's minds about me or trying to people please, you know, because I thought that that would kind of stop some of the suffering that I was enduring. And the way to combat that is to actually sit down and make a list of all the things that you value. And I you know, Google is everyone's best friend. Um, I Googled what are some common personal values. And as I started writing this list and what they meant to me, I started to see how the people who I kept experiencing conflict with, um, and not conflict as in like we was beefing on the internet or me and this person I fell out, but people who I started to kind of feel like I don't know how to navigate this friendship anymore. When I looked at my values compared to what I know their values to be, there's a misalignment there. And this can just like really help you to have a better idea of who you are so you don't internalize or take personally things that other people do to you. So that's number one. Number two. Okay. As a person who is in the single space (laughs) and, you know, I write things in the single space, I create content for single folk, you always see this thing where a person gets their heart broken and then they're like, I'm just going to focus on me. I'm just going to worry about myself. I'm just going to, I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do da da Okay, those are things that you should be doing anyway. Now, if a heartbreak leads you there, all the better for it. You know, uh, usually like heartbreak and like severe, just like emotional trauma, you can't take it so literally. It's there to kind of lead you into a greater understanding of yourself. And something that I have come to conclude is that self-love and external love, you cannot replace one with the other. And it is okay to want to be loved by somebody. And I think for some reason, women have kind of been shamed into saying that we 
want relationships or we want love or we want companionship or that we want children or whatever because we don't want to seem desperate we don't want to seem needy but you cannot self-love yourself into external love you cannot love yourself in hopes that it will lead to external love whether it be platonic romantic familial you can't give yourself something that comes that's supposed to come from outside of you and on the flip side another person cannot love you into loving yourself that's your responsibility so you have to do the self-work that you want to do for yourself kind of detaching from the outcome that oh if i start taking care of myself then You know, don't create like these kind of if then statements where if I start taking care of myself, if I start eating right, if I start going to the gym, if I start meditating, then I'll be proving to God that I'm worthy of a good man. Well, I think that you should be doing those things to prove to yourself that you're worthy anyway. Um, We think that we have to a lot of times just like when we experience emotional trauma, especially heartbreak, it's just one of the worst things. And you look for any reason to explain why you experienced that thing. And it's just because that wasn't your person. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but as someone who has come, um, you know, on the other side of a really, really disappointing heartbreak and, you know, emotional trauma, um, like a really, really big one, I can tell you that really just is it. Sometimes it's just not a good fit and you take what the lesson is and you just move forward. But don't think that you can self-love yourself into a romantic relationship because then you end up looking at that person or treating that person as if they're your reward, right? And you project all these these kind of unfair expectations onto them. And that's not fair. They didn't come here to be your reward for being a good person or for being your best self. That person came because it was time for that person to come and they'll leave when and if it's their time to leave. But the self-work and the self-love that you do and that you experience for yourself just has to be for you. And external love is something that is normal and human to desire. Don't let anybody make you feel like you're asking for too much for wanting that. Because the flip side of that is that they just aren't capable of giving you that much. And that's okay too. Walk away from shit like that. Um, okay, so number three, good segue. You have to be your own prize. I really get so tired of seeing that debate on Twitter where it's like the woman is the prize or the man is the prize or whatever. That's so weird to me. You are your own prize. I promise you the best thing that you can do is discover yourself, who you're supposed to be, what your purpose is supposed to be in this life, living in that purpose, walking in that purpose. Like you're your own prize. I really just, uh, I wish that like the four agreements was like required reading for everybody because it really kind of delves into this a little bit of like, you don't really need anyone as much as you need to learn to trust yourself to make the right decisions for yourself. Direct quote from the four agreements. Um, I look at that quote, I meditate on that quote all the time. Nobody else is the prize. You're not the prize for anybody else. Like... Be your own prize. My God, that's just, that's such a bizarre concept to me. Like, that you think that 
by doing this like hit list of self-care things that now the universe should reward you with a with a person and that is it's bizarre and it's kind of not fair to that other person it's dehumanizing to them now I think it's okay to operate from a place of feeling deserving and of feeling worthy but you are your own prize they are their own prize and by having a healthy you know view of your individual selves you can maybe approach a relationship from a healthier place but this power struggle of who's the prize that's just kind of bizarre and counterintuitive to me um number four when it comes to building a professional career especially if you're younger I have lied so much on applications and I'm only bringing this up because one time I did like a panel at this this thing anyway and people you know were looking for like career advice it was one of those like women's empowerment things which I understand are like super problematic but anywho um I was trying to build you know build my career as public speaker and you know all these things And it was like this really generic advice of you have to be willing to work hard and, you know, you have to do do these very just like cookie cutter um, kind of, you know, professional tips that people give out. And nobody was saying the thing that has gotten me the, the farthest in life, which is like, sometimes you have to lie and then just let like let Google teach you the rest. Like nobody... Very few people are as good at Excel when they first get a job as they say that they are. You learn Excel on the job. Sure, we all learned it like in college, but you don't remember that shit by the time you get into the workforce. And this is really like more so for younger people or people who are looking to expand their career. There's nothing that you can't learn unless you're doing something like in the medical field or like engineering or something like one of those like really professional kind of areas where you need to be certified and all this stuff like that. But just in general, sometimes it's okay, especially if you just need like a little admin job to make a little money till you get to your next thing. Google can teach you most things. It's okay. Like I'm a little white lie on a resume. Ain't never hurt nobody and definitely never hurt me. Sometimes you learn some shit on the job. That's just a little professional, you know. Working in fashion, it was so many things that I was like, yeah, absolutely know how to do that. Excuse me while I go to the restroom. And I Google some shit and I come back and, like, I knock the project out the park. It's fine. You'll figure it out. It'll teach you to be quick on your toes. Um, number five, on the flip side of that, it's also okay to not know things. I feel like on social media, people get really, really um, offended and feel really wounded when um, they're presented with new information. Nobody is born knowing everything. And this is another thing, too, for people who do have this information, approach things with more curiosity over conviction because you were not born with a thousand page dissertation or thesis on the intersections of like gender, race, sexuality, um, socioeconomic status, all these things. There are some, like, there are a lot of things that a lot of us are ignorant to. Now, the difference is, are you willing to learn to no longer be ignorant? Or are you comfortable being ignorant and you just want to double down on your ignorance? Now, those are two different things. But it's okay to not know things. What's not okay is being okay not knowing those things and not trying to learn better. When your ignorance starts to negatively impact other people, 
that just makes you an asshole. But it's okay to not know. I think, especially um, professionally, even, you know, in interpersonal relationships, it's okay to say, you know what, I didn't know that, but thank you for pointing that out to me. And I'll, you know, I'm going to do what I can to, to look into that more and to try to learn more about that. That's something that I find really frustrating about celebrities these days. I'm like, have publicists check out, checked out? Like, do record labels no longer do media training? All you have to do when you mess up in a massive public way, like that girl who shall remain nameless because no free promo over here, but that girl who thought that it was a good idea to make a whole song about, you know, yellow bone pride. All you needed to do was have enough humility to say, I didn't know that. Thank you guys for pointing this out to me. Let me do some reading and some research and find out what exactly why this is so harmful. I, I really didn't know. Please give me some time and, and, you know, just give me a little bit of grace to figure this out. That is human. Nobody is born knowing everything. But when you get so wounded by your own ignorance and that ego jumps out and you start doubling down and now everybody who is holding you accountable is a hater. Now you're just an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Um, so number six. Rolling right over into this. Okay. In the age of social media, we ingest a lot of different perspectives and ideas and images and things like this. So let me tie this to kind of a, a current thing that's happening right now. Chloe Bailey is out here minding her own business. She's being young. She's being fine. She's being successful. She's being talented. And the way that I have seen... Black women attack this young black girl makes me so sad because we're already, a lot of us, we're already raised to have a certain amount of shame over our bodies and over our sexualities. I don't think people realize um, as black people, we tend to be kind of conservative, not necessarily politically, but socially. We tend to be kind of conservative, and I think that's a vestige of slavery and the Jim Crow South where people thought that if you were on your absolute best behavior, it would save you from racism. And there are still people who believe in, in the respectability politics of things. Don't be one of those people when it comes to womanhood or, or black girlhood. I was telling a friend of mine earlier I think that internalized misogyny comes from an inability to explain trauma or heartbreak or disappointment. At some point, like when I see women attack other women for doing the busset challenge, for doing a silhouette challenge, for, you know, showing parts of their body or, or whatever, I just always want to ask them, what happened to you in your life that was hurtful and who made you think that that was your fault? Because a lot of this is projection. <laughs> so again, so much is just projection of people's own trauma and sometimes people don't even realize that that's what that is and they think that they're being helpful or that by you know not going along with the status quo or I'm not doing a busted challenge because I want to be somebody's wife. Sweetie, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. There's a lid for every pot. If you want to show your ass, I promise you it's a man out there who will be totally okay with you showing your ass. And even still, please don't live your life looking for the approval of people who require you to shrink yourself in order to get it. Now, am I about to put my old ass 
in a skimpy dress and do a busted challenge? No. Do you know why? Because my knees don't work like that no more. I ain't got the quad strength, okay? It just wouldn't work out. I would fall, okay? But it's not because I have an issue with other women owning and celebrating their bodies. So the point of this this little gem or this, you know, part of the syllabus, look at the things that offend you and pull at the thread and ask yourself why. Why are you offended by women being comfortable in their scantily clad bodies? Why do you feel like that has anything to do with you? What happened to you in your life that you started to feel like that was wrong or that you feel like women owning their bodies or being comfortable in their bodies in that way is an affront to your womanhood? I promise it's not going to actually affect you. Like it really does not have anything to do with you. Like Chloe Bailey feeling super comfortable saging her apartment and her drawers is in no way going to impact your life. I promise it won't. So Look at the things that offend you, the things that scare you, the things that trigger you, the things that give you anxiety, the things that make you upset. Look at those things with a critical eye, non-judgmental, non-judgmental. Become an observer of yourself and ask yourself, why does this bother me? I may or may not have told this story before, but I remember like many, many, many years ago, Amber Rose posted this uh, picture of herself in this really, really skimpy like string white tankini and I remember just being like oh why would she do this and like da 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 and when I thought about it it was just because even when my body was like at what I felt was its personal best I was never comfortable enough to show my body in that way and do you know why it's because I just really wanted to be considered a good girl because I thought that if you were a good girl that it meant that you would be chosen by a good guy and the really interesting thing about that is that it's not true because I have seen many a girl who were considered a good girl who, you know, didn't date around, who didn't have sex, who didn't do this and didn't do that. They were that like, you know, archetype for what you consider to be good girl next door. And they got dogged out by dudes, too. That's not a thing. So I had to pull up the thread of like, why do I feel offended by this fine ass woman showing her fine ass body? And it was my own shit. It's rarely about the person who you're judging, and it's more so just about you. So that's that one. Pull at the thread. Um, and, and in that, what you resist persists. The more you avoid looking at things that hurt you, the more they will hurt you. The more you avoid looking at things that offend you, the more they're going to offend you. You are going to get on the internet all the time and be pissed off and miserable. Sour apple bitter bitch. It's not cute. It's giving very much dry box energy. And no shade to people who have a dry box. Um, I hope you figured that situation out. Anywho, um, number seven. There is this thing in dating called a scarcity mindset where women are kind of socialized that if you get a dude, any dude who is willing to have you, you must hold on to that dude for dear life because there will be no more dudes. That's the only dude who will ever have you. And... You know, statistically, there's this many women to this many men. So if you're lucky enough to snag one, you better hold on to him like a fucking bear trap or you gonna die alone. That is a scarcity mindset. And people who are terrible use that to manipulate people. 
dudes will ha- I have a guy friend who confessed to me that when he figured out that a lot of women just want to be committed to just want to be chosen that he would kind of lure that commitment or that marriage or that whatever over them in order to manipulate them into doing stuff and that's what a scarcity mindset is it makes you compromise on your standards if you have any it makes you compromise on your boundaries if you have any and you are just willing to do whatever it takes to get someone and to keep someone this is where pick me energy comes from it's okay to have standards it's okay to have boundaries and it is okay to walk away from people who cannot meet them I promise there are more people in the world right now as you're listening to this podcast google the world population Okay, there are a lot of people in the world. And unless you're a polyamorous, which shouts out to you, (laughs) unless you're a polyamorous or a person who wants to be monogamous, you're ultimately only hoping to meet one person. So the fact that there are X amount of women to men, you know, whatever that ratio is and that whole. And then if you break it down into if they got to be college educated, they got to be this, they got to be that. Those things, I think, work more in your favor because you aren't looking to get 6,000 plus people to consider you. You're only hoping for one. And there are a lot of people in this world if you're willing to open yourself up to more than what you know and more than what you're comfortable with. There is no scarcity of dudes. There is no scarcity of dick. I promise there's more in the world. So don't let someone manipulate you by holding a commitment or a relationship over your head. The most empowering thing that you can do is to learn to not be afraid to walk away from people and things that are no longer serving you. It's so empowering. It really makes you feel like, you know, bad bitch powers activated. You can walk away and there will be more. I promise you. Um, the next thing is self-compassion. Mindful self-compassion has been so life-changing for me. It's a workbook that I'm currently doing with my therapist. I will link to it in the episode description. I absolutely love it. I think right now I'm a little more than halfway through the workbook. It's something that I highly recommend doing if you have a therapist or a counselor, just someone, some medically trained professional who can do it with you because it does get into shadow work and digging up some of like you know your past traumas and it does get dark sometimes when you come to realize how little compassion you actually show yourself compared to how much compassion you show to other people and learning how to turn that inward and actually give yourself grace and accept the fact that sometimes it's really hard to be a human being and Right now, I'm at the part where it's it's kind of saying, you know, don't do the work of self-compassion because you, you know, you, it, it's kind of saying, you know, detach from the outcome of feeling better. You're not always going to feel great because the truth is, it is hard to be a human being some days. And accepting that 
with compassion and without judging yourself and without beating yourself up is so life-changing. It doesn't mean that life suddenly stops happening or that life is magically easier. That's not how anything works. There is no magic cure to life happening. What there is are tools that when life is in what you can feel like a downswing, there are tools that can help you to soothe yourself in those moments or to at least meet yourself there and say, hey, this is really hard. I know this is really hard for you. And it's also really hard for a lot of other people, but I'm here for you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to see you through that. Talking to yourself the way you would talk to one of your friends, becoming a friend to yourself, oh my God, it's life-changing and it actually helps you to empathize and to show compassion to other people in a, in a truer way. Sometimes we're empathetic and compassionate to other people in a people-pleasing way. It's sometimes kind of self-serving, but when you actually learn to give that, self, give that stuff to yourself, it helps you to navigate the world with other people from a less angry and judgmental place just recognizing that life is really hard for all of us some more than others obviously you know a person who is homeless is having a much harder time than I am struggling with you know body image issues you know but as as human people we have the shared common knowledge and experience that life is sometimes hard and even as a kid, I remember people would always be like, well, life is hard. And I would always say, well, if we all know that life is hard, why do we make it so much harder on each other? Why do we make it harder on ourselves? We get, Show yourself some compassion. You're doing the best that you can from one day to the next. So treat yourself a little bit more gently. And I think we, we think that change comes from beating ourselves up really badly and that's actually quite counterintuitive it might motivate you temporarily to be like oh you ain't shit but I can tell you I have gotten a lot further in my goals by saying you know what I know you're tired today and that's okay I understand you worked really hard maybe right now you do need a little nap and then we can come back and and, and do this at a later time that has changed my life it's helped me to live with so much ease and to be less of an angry ass bitch from one day to the next and it's okay to be an angry ass bitch don't let nobody deny you your humanity feeling anger and rage that's human okay now how you you know act on that that's something different entirely but it's okay to have the feeling of being angry okay because again life is hard it's hard to be a human person living with other human people Sometimes it's okay to be angry, but you don't necessarily need to let that rage out on, you know, undeserving people. And number nine, there are these things called cognitive biases. They are fascinating. Google them. There's a long list of different ones. And I mean, like, honestly, you can fall down a rabbit hole just learning about all these different ways that our brains try to compensate for us. And basically... Our brains, from an evolutionary standpoint, have developed in such a way that they will tell us damn near anything to protect us from feeling pain or experiencing danger. Our brains always want us to feel safe, so sometimes our brains will lie to us in order to do that. And this is a tool that I have found really helpful in terms of anxiety. So for example, one cognitive bias 
is um, thinking that you can predict the future. So right now I am working really hard on a new program with my doctor for me to get my health on track, my physical health on track, right? And this means that I have to make some legit changes. And there are some days that I wake up and things still don't fit. I still don't see any difference. And my brain says, you are never going to get any better. This is never going to change. You are always going to struggle with this. And da, da, da. And those things are not true. And you know how I know that they're not true? Because I'm not a mind reader. I cannot predict the future. I don't know what's going to lie ahead. But my brain is telling me that to protect me from the disappointment that I have felt several times over when I have tried to, you know, attack this issue. So I want to encourage you to like look up some different cognitive biases and, you know, brain distortions and just see what jumps out at you, like what you may or may not be telling yourself in order to protect yourself. And it's another tool of self-compassion is to thank your brain for, you know, talking to you the way that it does, because your brain is really just trying to protect you. It's it's doing that's sometimes what anxiety is. It's it's trying to it's just your brain trying to make you feel safe, but in really messed up ways. So sometimes it's really helpful to like look at your anxious mind and say, thank you for what you're trying to do. But that's not what I what I need right now. Like with gratitude, thank you so much for working the way that you know how to work. But I don't need to talk to myself like that right now. I don't need to go down a rabbit hole of why all these things have happened and what's probably going to happen next. So just a little you know, tool to understand that everything that our brain tells us isn't necessarily the truth. It's just trying to protect us. And a quote that I actually posted today that I read um, in my Mindful Self-Compassion book, I'm going to read it now. It's natural to resist letting go of striving to get it right or accepting our imperfection. We want to feel safe and making mistakes makes us feel unsafe, but we don't need to add insult to injury by judging ourselves for wanting to be other than we are. We just need to realize how this struggle may be causing us unnecessary suffering. Explore whether we can at least begin to accept ourselves and our human flaws and see what happens. Just see what happens. That's all that life is. Um, and lastly, gratitude. This is like a next level Jedi mind trick. And I'm not going to tell you that it is easy, but it is worth trying. When you feel your absolute worst, when you feel that the world is out to get you, when you feel that nothing in your life is going right, that everything is falling completely apart and going to shit, as much as you can muster... Make a list in your phone, on a piece of paper, in your mind if you don't have the wherewithal, and just list very basic things to be grateful for. You can be grateful for your breath. You can be grateful for your eyebrows. You can be grateful that you weren't having an acne breakout. You can be grateful that you have a warm home to live in. You can be grateful for your friendships. You can be grateful that you have a parent who absolutely loves you. There's usually, in, I mean, in spite of how shit you can feel sometimes, there's at least five things that you can find to be grateful for. I mean, 
even down to, it can be super basic. Be grateful for the use of your hands. Be grateful that, you know, you have all of your faculties about you. Um, you know, I know that that sounds, it's easier said than done, but being on the wavelength of gratitude can really turn things around. I think show for me, showing God that I'm so grateful for what I have and being patient in the space between what I have and what I want. Gratitude has helped me to exist in that in that in-between space a whole lot easier. So when you feel your absolute worst, like I had a friend the other day who was just having a really hard time and she was like, nothing in my life is going right. And I was like, stop. I recognize that that's how you feel. And I believe that that's how you feel. But as your friend, I want you to know that that is not true. You have a lot to be grateful for, especially right now. Let's name some things that you can be grateful for. Be grateful for your edges. I tell my friends all the time, bitch, you could be ugly. And I don't mean aesthetically. I mean, you could be ugly in spirit. You could be like a really shitty person out here. Like... What if you were one of these shitty people who like yells at Trader Joe's workers and you have no awareness of how shitty you are as a person for doing that? Thank God that you have the awareness to not be out here yelling at fast food restaurant workers because they forgot your fries or some shit. You know, there's a lot to be grateful for. So (laughs) those are some of my tips for wellness. Again, I'm not here to be preachy. I'm here to help curiosity over conviction. I really just want to use my platform to help people to feel and be better. And there is no end destination. We will all always be learning and evolving and growing. And as I learn and evolve and grow, I'm happy to share the things that I learned that helped me on that journey. So I hope some of this resonates with you. Um, Again, I will put links in the episode description. One of the, um, before I forget, one of the most empowering things that I have ever watched was Brene Brown's uh, special on Netflix. Um, I hear that her book, Daring Greatly, is really, really good. Um, Daring Greatly comes from one of my favorite quotes. I promise I didn't hear it from her first. Um, There is a speech by Theodore Roosevelt that I actually first heard about Don't judge me for this, y'all, but I used to really like the show Blue Bloods (laughs) before I concluded that all cop shows are problematic. Um, And it talks about bravery and what it means to be a person who steps into the arena and to dare greatly and that it's better to live a life where you dare greatly than to just live a life of cowardice where you don't try anything at all. So um, Brene Brown's book. I am going to get around to reading it at some point. I have several things that I'm supposed to be reading right now. Um, But her Netflix special, I highly recommend watching it. It talks about shame and vulnerability and some of the things that that I covered here today. So I hope this helps you guys or that it helps someone. Um, Again, check out the episode description notes and take care of yourselves. Thank you for joining me. And be sure to like, comment, share, review, subscribe. If you are listening on iTunes, please, 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 please review this podcast. It really helps me to elevate as a creator. And um, 
to get a coin. You guys are always welcome to join my Patreon. So I will also put a link to that. Patreon is a way for um, you to support independent creators like myself. And it's not expensive. Obviously, I'm not out here asking y'all to drop racks. Unless you got to lay that and you want to, I will gladly accept it. So <laughs> I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining. Bye.